Hello and welcome to Sticking to the Point, your one-stop shop for everything Chinese medicine, acupuncture, holistic health, maybe a lot of other things too. I don't want to put myself into a, a box. This podcast can be whatever I want it to be because I'm in charge. It's me, as always, your friendly neighborhood acupuncturist, John McDonnell. We're trying something a little bit different today. Let me uh, let me paint a picture for you. So, the first few episodes, I had my computer chair, you know, standard office chair, uh, at my desk. I had my mic on a mic stand, you know, very very professional, but a little bit stiff. Today, I have swapped out my computer chair for a very comfortable, very large, slightly reclined chair, very luxurious. And I've removed my mic from the stand and I'm holding it. It just feels very, uh, it feels correct. This feels, I think this might be the way we do it from now on. I'm feeling relaxed, I'm feeling casual. And I think that the words are just going to flow right on out in a way that they never have before. So I look forward to sharing this new laid back, casual sticking to the point with you. It's currently a Saturday afternoon. I have had a very lazy day, and I figured, let's uh, let's sit down and chat with some of my favorite listeners. It's funny, with the first three episodes, okay, it's really interesting how instructors and practitioners can really forget what it's like to know nothing. And I was racking my brain trying to come up with episode ideas that were you know, interesting and exciting. But what I realized is that I never really started with the absolute basics. Like, and that's what I want to do today is, is really get back to just like 101 FAQ, frequently asked questions. Like today, we're going to cover the most common questions I get about acupuncture on a daily basis. These are the questions that I'm answering all day, every day, uh, and if you're somebody who has had acupuncture before and maybe has a practitioner who doesn't like to talk as much as me, or you're considering trying acupuncture, or maybe you're a new practitioner and you're struggling to explain or answer some of these questions to your patients, um, whatever it is, I think that covering just like the bare bones, frequently asked questions is a really good idea. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. So I spent uh, the other day just kind of writing out as many questions as I could think of, and we'll see how many I can confidently answer. And if I can't, I'll uh, direct you elsewhere. So without further ado, let's dive in. Let's start with question number one. Does acupuncture work? Yes. All right, that's all everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, I guess we have to define what working means. Can it cure every ailment on the planet? Probably not. Is it good for a lot of common health concerns? 100%. I always tell patients that I'm seeing for the first time that when you're getting acupuncture regularly, what we are looking for is not a complete elimination of symptoms right from the get-go, but instead a decrease in frequency and severity of symptoms. So let's say you're coming in for migraine headaches and those migraine headaches are happening three times a week. And when they happen, they're anywhere from an eight to a 10 out of 10 in terms of pain. If we can get that down to 
let's say, once a week, and it's a four or five out of the pain scale, that's a, a pretty good start for me. You know, obviously the goal through lifestyle, herbal medicine, acupuncture, what have you, is to get you to as as little of a symptom picture as possible. But nothing is instant. You know, in this world of instant gratification, acupuncture is definitely not one of those things. It's a slow medicine. It's a subtle medicine. But the trade-off is that there are little to no side effects. So if you're willing to put in the time, put in the the effort of, of attending treatment regularly, 100%, it does work. But that brings us to our next question, which is how does it work? And this is one of the trickier questions to answer because we don't really know 100% how it works, at least not from a Western medical standpoint. Acupuncture is a very difficult modality to study in a, in a scientific way because if you're doing you know a double-blind control trial, it's very difficult to give patients fake acupuncture or sham acupuncture. And the thing is, is that even if you are doing sham acupuncture, as long as there's some kind of pressure or even subtle uh, stimulation at, at any point on the body, there may be some effect. So it's, it's really difficult to suss out and to study acupuncture from a, a scientific lens, unfortunately. But that doesn't invalidate it as, as, a, as a whole. Like, just because acupuncture doesn't fit into a, uh, a scientific studied paradigm doesn't mean it's not worth, worth looking at. It's just, we just need to acknowledge that it's not an easy thing to, to study. That said, even if we don't have a 100% true or, or, or for certain answer of how acupuncture works, there are a lot of good theories out there. A lot of the theories that have been developed are really just focused on the pain-relieving effects of acupuncture, but they are still interesting to look at. So one of the main ones is that the action of inserting a needle into the body stimulates the central nervous system. One of those effects is that it releases uh, endorphins and other neurotransmitters that help to calm uh, the nervous system, reduce inflammation. it's also been shown that acupuncture increases the release of nitric oxide in the body, which in turn improves circulation, which also has an anti-inflammatory effect as well. There's something called the gate control theory. The gate control theory is this idea that when you insert an acupuncture needle, it stimulates the inhibitory nerve fibers of the body, which inhibit pain signals from reaching the brain or diminish pain signals from reaching the brain. So the act of inserting a needle kind of blocks those those signals telling you that there's discomfort from reaching the brain. There's also just the local and very obvious effects when you insert a needle into, let's say, a tight muscle. There's often a, a twitch response, which shows that that muscle has been released. So Often, if we're needling into an area of tension, when muscles are tense, they are also shortened and and the muscle fibers are kind of tightened and locked. And if we get that twitch response, there's an initial contraction, but then the muscle relaxes to a more kind of lengthened and healthy resting state. 
Um, but again, a lot of these Western studies really do just focus on the pain relieving effects of acupuncture. And if you know much about acupuncture as a holistic system of medicine, you'll know that there are a ton of things that acupuncture can treat outside of, of pain. And in terms of those effects, it's a little bit more difficult to, to know for sure. Is it nervous system stimulation? Is it, um, is it certain chemicals being released? We, we don't really know for sure. I know when I first graduated, I was really uncomfortable by not having a, a good answer that I could give people. But over time, over my six years of practice so far, I've seen enough positive shifts in people's lives that I don't really care what Western science has to say anymore. I know that it works. I know that we can achieve really amazing things with this tool. So I kind of think the proof is in the pudding. And, you know, China was able to practice this system of medicine for a very long time without Western medicine there to validate it. So if it's good enough for them, it's it's good enough for me. And I think I'll probably just leave it at that. So to sum up, there are a ton of theories of how acupuncture may work, but we're not 100% sure. We just know that it does. You'll also often hear the argument that acupuncture is just placebo. And I think it's kind of ridiculous because it's like, okay, so we're doing something to a patient that is causing, whether it's psychological or physical, it's causing them to feel better and it's causing their body to regulate and heal itself. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's kind of exactly what we intended to do. So, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of people throw the word placebo around as an insult, but if it's working, if it's leading to positive outcomes in, in health, it's like, okay, thanks <laughs> for telling me what I already know. Awesome. So I mentioned earlier that acupuncture can be used for a myriad of different things other than just pain. So what are some of the most common things that acupuncture can treat? So again, obviously in the West, pain is going to be the most common thing that patients come in for, whether it's neck pain, low back pain, knee pain, what have you. Chronic pain, acute pain. Pain is what people in the West know acupuncture for. The biggest things that I see apart from pain are uh, sleep disorders, so insomnia, dream disturbed sleep, restless sleep, um, anxiety, depression, so mental health, um, just general stress from being an adult human in the modern day world. It's a really big one. Digestive issues are another, so I see a lot of patients who suffer from things like IBS, um, loose stools uh, due to either poor diet or poor digestion in general, um, bloating or distension in the abdomen, gurgling or, or discomfort after eating, lots of different digestive issues seem to respond quite well to acupuncture. I often like to incorporate dietary changes and herbs if I'm treating digestion, but acupuncture alone can do quite a lot. Another one that a lot of people are surprised to hear is gynecological issues. So regulating the cycle, making sure that it's at a proper length, making sure that there's no uncomfortable symptoms around the time of the cycle. So cramping, breast tenderness, irritability, what have you. Um, 
And then the treatment of fertility. There's a lot of practitioners that seem to be specializing in fertility as well, because again, acupuncture is really, really effective at at helping couples conceive. Um, I'd say that the majority of patients that I see for fertility are women, but there are a ton of things that we can do to help the male side as well. So improving uh, sperm count, sperm quality, motility, um, all of the, the male side, because um, it, it does take two people to make to make a baby, which uh, it's unfortunate that I so frequently only see one half of the couple coming in for treatment, but alas. Another thing that I really enjoyed treating prior to the pandemic is common cold. You know, if if people come in at the, the beginning of, of catching a cold, there's a lot of things we can do to kind of nip it in the bud before it becomes more serious. So if you're like, hmm, you know, I'm getting a little stuffed up, my neck's feeling a bit stiff, I'm feeling a bit chilly. If you get acupuncture or cupping or gua sha right away, it often, like... I rarely am sick longer than maybe one or two days anymore because I know the steps to take to alleviate my symptoms early on. Another thing that I've started to see more of at the clinic is support of chemotherapy and uh, radiation-related side effects. So um, patients who are getting treatment for cancer who are suffering from things like nausea, dry mouth, fatigue, um, poor immunity, things like that. Um, acupuncture has a, a long history of being an adjunct therapy for, for cancer care. I would never recommend Chinese medicine alone. Um, I would never recommend that you completely forego all Western treatment, but it does play a really, really great supporting role in, in cancer care. I kind of describe, you know, you know, with Western medicine, it's very aggressive. You kind of go in and carpet bomb the body, you know, attacking everything healthy or otherwise and uh, then acupuncture and holistic therapies go in and help to rebuild <laughs> you know after the village has been destroyed from war we go back in and we re- re- we rebuild and we we boost things back up again so that's kind of a, a cliff notes version of how acupuncture can support that side of things there are a lot of other things that i'm i'm likely failing to mention here that acupuncture can treat but those are some of the most common you can actually look up the WHO, I think back in, oh gosh, the, the 90s, released it a big list of a ton of different ailments that have been shown through clinical trials to have some kind of benefit when it comes to acupuncture treatment. So there's a huge list of, gosh, I want to say there was like at least 50 to 100 different things that acupuncture has been proven to have effect with from physical ailments to internal ailments to mental health ailments. So um, you can look that up if you want a more comprehensive list. I always tell patients that acupuncture can play an assisting role in pretty much every health condition that you can think of. Um, It is going to be more effective and more of a, a star player in certain things, but it can definitely play a supporting role in in anything because remember at its core acupuncture is a therapy that brings your body back to balance and helps your body to to heal itself so if you look at it from that lens there's really nothing that it can't help another common question that i get is are the needles coated in anything um, or are you injecting anything 
when you're giving a treatment? And the, the short answer is no. There's nothing on the needle that is adding to the treatment or there's nothing medicinal on the needle itself. They're generally made of stainless steel. That said, some needles do have a very thin silicone coating either right on the tip or along the entire uh, body of the needle. And that's just to help with insertion because coated needles tend to be a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more smooth when when you're inserting. So it it diminishes the, the pain that a patient feels from the needle, which is usually minimal anyways. Uncoated needles, so needles with no silicone coating, tend to be a little bit more um, grabby, uh, which is great for certain things. Like if you're trying to get a strong muscle twitch or muscle release, you want a little bit more of a, a, a grabby needle so that you can get that twitch response more easily. The sensation with an uncoated needle is a little bit more achy, um, you know, a little bit more intense, but... Um, the effect tends to be a little bit better for certain things with with uh, an uncoated needle. So this brings me to a another topic that is a little bit of a, a sore spot for a lot of acupuncturists. So essentially, anytime you're inserting a needle into the body and not injecting a substance like a vaccine or, or something like that, that is dry needling. So you're taking a needle that is dry and putting it into the body. So when you hear about practitioners who practice dry needling, that essentially is any practitioner that is taking a needle and inserting it. So that can be an acupuncturist, that can be a physiotherapist, that can be a chiropractor, what have you. You may have also heard of intramuscular stimulation or IMS. That's a a technique used by physiotherapists mainly. I think some chiropractors do it as well, but it's a little bit more of an aggressive technique. They're often kind of lifting and thrusting the needle a bit more rapidly and a bit more aggressively to get a really strong release in the muscles. A lot of patients find that it's a bit too much. Um, The issue comes though, is when physiotherapists and chiropractors are advertising themselves as practicing acupuncture because dry needling on its own and IMS are not acupuncture because the theory behind point selection, the theory behind why you treat certain areas is is completely different. So a physiotherapist or a chiropractor is really just looking at local anatomy and, and musculature. They're like, what muscle do I need to release to get an effect? Acupuncture, as I've described briefly before, is a holistic system that takes into account the entire body. And while we do take into account local anatomy sometimes, the points that we choose are on acupuncture channels or meridians. And these channels or meridians don't just uh, correspond to surface anatomy, but they dive deep and connect our internal organs and and integrate the body into a, a whole working unit. And the points that we use, therefore, have a very widespread Um, and far-reaching effect as a result. That's why you can needle a point on the foot or the hand or the ankle and have an effect on the menstrual cycle or headaches or sleep because it's a holistic system that doesn't just focus on local anatomy. So that's why if you see an acupuncturist um, and you're getting neck a treatment for neck pain or a treatment for back pain, they may add needles down along the legs or down in other areas. And you might be a bit confused as to how it all fits together, but trust that your acupuncture knows the the pathway 
of all of these different channels and how they connect and and how to utilize them in a way that is going to help your body to heal so next time you hear someone who is advertising themselves as practicing acupuncture ask them whether or not they are a registered acupuncturist and if their answer is not yes then they're not practicing acupuncture and uh i will die on this hill (laughs) um i have had a lot of patients come in saying that they have had acupuncture before only for me to find out that it was uh, misadvertised and, and misrepresented and the reason that this is an issue is that people go in thinking that they're getting acupuncture and if they have a bad experience or there's an adverse event it really paints our profession in a really terrible light there was a study that was done that showed that most cases of pneumothorax so that's puncturing of a lung due to needling was not registered acupuncturists but was uh, physiotherapists chiropractors even physicians who were practicing needling uh, because the thing is, is that a lot of the, these, these practitioners that learn quote unquote acupuncture, um, outside of acupuncture school are often taking a very quick, you know, weekend course and learning rapid fire ways to needle without taking the, the long, uh, internal anatomy courses that that acupuncturists take. We spend three years in school learning all the cautions of every single point, the contraindications, the needling angle, the, the just everything. So we are able to practice very, very safely um, because we've spent the time to do it. So, so yes, that's all. I'll, uh, I'll get off my soapbox here uh, and leave that little rant at that but uh but yes dry needling pertains to all forms of needling where you're not inserting a substance but the only people who have the right to advertise themselves as practicing acupuncture are registered acupuncturists thank you moving on let's move on and talk about some of the most common modalities that acupuncturists use so A lot of people book an acupuncture treatment and then are surprised to hear that uh, there are other things that we can do besides just needling. So cupping is a very common one. So that involves taking a cup that is made of glass. We take a pair of forceps and a cotton ball that has been doused in alcohol. We light that cotton ball on fire, quickly put it into the glass, just enough to suck up the oxygen, not enough to make the cup hot. And we rapidly take that cup and place it on the skin and the vacuum lifts the tissue up into the cup. It's a bit unnerving to look at, um, but it, most, most people don't find that it's uncomfortable. It's, uh, I describe it like a reverse massage. So rather than pushing down into the tissue, we're lifting up, bringing blood to the area, creating space, uh, promoting circulation, decreasing inflammation. It's a very great local technique. You know, I like to start a treatment with the needles and going into my key kind of pinpoint areas that are really important and then using cups to target more of a large swath of tissue. Gua sha is another technique um, that's similar to cupping in the sense that um, you're working on the the fascia, that, that, that superficial layer of of tissue that surrounds the muscles so 
With gua sha, you're taking a smooth tool made of jade or ceramic or metal. I've seen people use spoons. I've seen people use jar lids. I've seen people use coins. This is like a folk medicine technique that um, you know grandmothers would practice on their kids. So it's it's very very commonly practiced by by not just practitioners but but lay people as well. And you've probably seen the the fad posts of of gua sha being used in skincare on Instagram as well, which is a whole nother conversation. But uh, gua sha and cupping are both manual techniques that help to supplement the needling. You know, we're often using them in in musculoskeletal conditions. One lesser known function of cupping and gua sha is that they they do something called releasing the exterior. So there's this idea that when you are coming down with a cold or a flu, it's often due to uh, adverse environmental factors. So cold or wind. And when you're invaded by cold or wind, that climate factor lodges itself in the most superficial layers of the body first. Cupping and gua sha can be used to expel that pathogen before it has a chance to dive deeper into the body. Uh, So it's a really, really great tool to use right in the acute stages of of coming down with a cold, Um, especially if there's that kind of stiffness of the neck, occipital headache, stiffness of the shoulders or upper back, kind of that achy feeling that you can get when you're coming down with with something. So um, cupping and gua sha are great for a lot more than just releasing muscular tissue. But I'd say in clinic, most commonly we're using them to, uh, to supplement needling. Let's just take a quick little intermission here so I can uh, point out the elephant in the room, which is my cats. So I guess the cat in the room, not the elephant. But uh, you're likely going to hear purring, meowing, you know, every so often. I've given up on trying to edit out every uh, instance of my cats existing around me while recording. It's uh, it's impossible. So um, enjoy. Just so you can imagine at home we've got two little senior old lady cats here we've got 12 year old Smokey, who is a bit of a firecracker um very sweet to her owners but uh an absolute monster to everyone else uh and then we have smudge who is just the the most adorable little tortoiseshell cat that you have ever seen in your life um she never really grew uh past the kitten stage like she's the the smallest cat I've ever seen, uh, probably the run to the litter, um, but also the loudest thing uh, you can imagine. So if you hear uh, any feline adjacent noises uh, in any of my episodes, uh, just know that uh, that's who you're listening to. <laughs> Let's move on. So silly old me uh, is almost 30 minutes into this episode, and I've realized that I ignored probably the most common question that I get, which is, does acupuncture hurt? No, it doesn't hurt. Can there be some uncomfortable sensations sometimes? Yeah. What I always tell folks is that we're aiming for sensation and not pain. Normal sensations are maybe a a bit of a dull, achy feeling, a bit of tingling around the needle, 
Some folks even notice temperature changes, like it feeling hot or cold, or maybe even heavy, or a sensation of pressure. Uh, some folks will notice kind of an electrical feeling that travels down their limbs, so maybe from their elbow to their fingers. Some people can feel their entire body kind of pulsating in, in a pleasant way. The sensation that we want to watch out for is any sensation of sharpness that doesn't immediately disappear, like sharpness or burning. So I'd say maybe one in every 10 to 20 needles, you're going to get a bit of a, a sting, kind of like a little bug bite. Often it fades within one to two seconds and we're good to go. But sometimes you'll get, you'll get a spicy one that can be a little bit more noticeable that is usually just from irritating that surface level of skin. So you'll notice if you've seen an acupuncturist before that they'll line up a plastic guide tube first, most of the time, and then tap the needle in. And the reason that they tap the needle in very rapidly is to try and get through that first layer of skin that is uh, a lot more highly innervated. So if you can get through that first layer of, of dermis uh, quickly, then uh, there's really not much to elicit pain at that point. So that said, though, you're going to see a lot of different acupuncturists across the board that disagree on the level of sensation that you should feel. So this is often due to just differences in style. So acupuncturists who have been trained from a more Chinese tradition often want a little bit more of a stronger sensation because they think that that adds to the effectiveness of the treatment. Whereas if you're seeing a practitioner that's trained in, let's say, Japanese style, their needling techniques tends to be a lot more gentle. I'd say as a practitioner myself, I tend to fall somewhere in the middle. You know, I want some sensation so that I know that the body is paying attention to what we're doing. But I always try to tailor it to my patient's needs. You know, I'm, I'm never going to sit there and reef on a needle if I can see that you're squirming and, and uncomfortable. It's... Uh, it's not one of those cases where it's like no pain, no gain, and you need to try and sit through as much discomfort as you can. Like I view acupuncture as a very meditative experience and you can't enter that kind of trance-like relaxation state if you're in a state of fight or flight. So my goal is to get people as relaxed as possible. And judging by the number of patients I have that fall asleep during their treatments, I'd say I'm doing a decent job at that. But, uh, but no, acupuncture shouldn't hurt. And the reason why it, it shouldn't hurt is because the needles themselves are, are really thin and they're different than, than a hypodermic needle. So the needles that you uh, have experienced when you're getting blood drawn or when you're getting a vaccine, those are hypodermic needles. So they're hollow because they need to either take out a substance or inject a substance. Um, and since they're hollow, they actually cut the skin on the way in, which is a, a little bit more traumatizing to the tissue. Whereas acupuncture needles, since they're so, so thin and you can fit like, I don't know, 20 of them, probably more into a hypodermic needle. It, it really, it's more kind of like parting the tissue rather than cutting the tissue. So, um, most of my patients who come in are pleasantly surprised, uh, that, the needles really aren't that bad. Um, I guess this would also be a good time to talk about options for patients who are really, really needle phobic. And I have seen patients before that are so nervous and so afraid that during the first treatment, 
we might not even do needling at all. We might opt for gua sha or cupping first. And then as time goes on and I coach them a bit, we can maybe move up to two needles or four needles. And I've seen people who have been in treatment one, almost having a panic attack on the table because they're so afraid. And they eventually graduate to a patient who can get a real full-blown treatment just like everyone else. So um, I really admire patients who come in for acupuncture who are afraid of needles. I think it shows that they are willing to put themselves in a potentially uncomfortable or unfamiliar situation in order to seek relief. And I think that's really, really admirable. So I would I would never judge somebody for being afraid or being nervous about acupuncture. Um, and the media really doesn't help either. You know, you see so many disgusting representations of acupuncture in horror movies like Final Destination where they show people rolling off the table or just it's it's terrible like it really gives people this idea that acupuncture is something to be feared and uh, I can tell you from experience uh, and as someone who's pretty needle phobic myself it's it's really okay it's really not that bad Um, are there certain areas of the body or certain points that are a little bit more intense to work on than others definitely You know, if you're coming in for a treatment for plantar fasciitis and I'm sticking a needle into the bottom of your foot, it's going to be a bit intense. But often the results make it very worth it. So um, and the thing is, is that during a treatment with a good practitioner, there is constant communication back and forth and you have complete control. You can say, you know what? I don't think I'm comfortable having my ankles needled today. I don't think I'm comfortable having my face needled today. Or, hey, that needle that you just put in is a bit uncomfortable. Do you mind if we take it out? Of course. Like, I will always let a patient know if I think that a certain therapeutic intervention is really necessary for their healing. But one of the great things about acupuncture is that there are a lot of different roads to the same destination. You know, there's there's options, you know, a lot of points can be used for the same things. There's multiple different points we can use for pain relief or stress or what have you. And uh, that same flexibility is what makes treating patients who have bodies that maybe don't fit the norm um, really interesting too. Because, you know, let's say somebody comes in uh, and they have a problem that I would usually needle their wrist for. What happens if they're an amputee and they don't have either of their arms? I would have to choose other points, maybe on the legs or maybe on the abdomen. But there's always another point. There is there is always another point you can choose. And uh, that's one of the things I love about this medicine is there's, there's always a different and creative solution that you can choose if uh, your plan A isn't uh, feasible. There's always a plan B and a plan C and, and a lot of other plans the whole alphabet baby i'd like to talk about setting expectation for how many and how often you need to get acupuncture in order to see results as i mentioned acupuncture is a bit of a a slower medicine and it does take time to to see change it's often not a one and done kind of modality i often tell patients that it's a a therapy that compounds on itself. So 
even though we might not see a ton after the first or the second or sometimes even the third treatment, once you hit that kind of critical threshold, things really start to snowball and you see results a lot more rapidly. But you do need to put in that beginning um, commitment of, of getting treatment a little bit more regularly. So my kind of general run-of-the-mill recommendation, obviously it's tailored to everyone uh, in specific cases, but usually what I say is for acute conditions. So, you know, you threw your back out or you hurt your shoulder at the gym. Those will often see an improvement after one to true treatments and for uh, kind of long-term, long-standing relief, uh, anywhere from three to five is usually a good starting point. Um, I'd say for acute conditions, it's often good to get treatment a little bit closer together, so maybe even twice a week for the first couple weeks. Uh, and then as time goes on and as we see results, we can stretch that duration out into more of a maintenance phase, so moving from twice a week to once a week to maybe even once a month if things are going really well. But uh, acute conditions do tend to respond a bit faster. And I'd say that, you know, the absolute maximum that you would need to treat an acute condition is usually around like five or six treatments. Um, at that point, you should be feeling like the acute problem is pretty resolved, you know, unless it's something really, really severe. Um, for chronic conditions, especially if they're conditions that you've had for decades, this is where things get a little bit more dicey. Um, in this realm, it's usually going to take around five to seven treatments to start seeing some good solid shifts. Um, and anywhere from 10 to 12 to even, I'd say, 20 treatments for really, really severe conditions. Obviously, that's not feasible for everyone. Um, and I understand that uh, for some folks who don't have private insurance, that acupuncture isn't always, uh, you know, a feasible or affordable option. So I always try to find options that patients can utilize um, if getting treatment that frequently is not an option for them. You know, whether it's herbal medicine or lifestyle advice, you know, the usual kind of things that I would recommend. But I would say most patients that I see experience a good amount of relief between uh, like five to eight treatments for, for anything. Like there's not many patients that I need to be seeing super, super long-term for uh, longer than five to eight. I, I do have a lot of patients that come in monthly, um, even if they're not experiencing a problem, because the kicker is that acupuncture should be practiced more so as preventative medicine. Chinese medicine at its core is preventative. So if you're coming in with a problem that needs to be fixed, we're already a little bit late to the party. You know, I can't remember if I'd mentioned this in a previous episode, but they say that if you're if you're trying to treat a disease after it's already begun, it's like digging a well when you're already thirsty. It's kind of like a too little too late kind of thing. I would much rather see a patient and then use their health history um, tongue and pulse, you know, asking questions to kind of find out what conditions they might be most prone to. So that way that they can come in on a, a less frequent basis, you know, maybe once a month or even once every two months to keep the body just in a state of, of good, efficient, healthy functioning so that things aren't going wrong. So 
you know, when I'm talking about needing three to five treatments for an acute condition or five to 10 plus treatments for a chronic condition, that is for patients who are getting treatment for a specific disorder that is already there and has already occurred. But I have many, many patients who enjoy the effects that they get from acupuncture so much that they they just keep coming because they've they've realized that it's a great improvement in their quality of life and that if they're getting acupuncture regularly, their stress levels are lower, their mood is better, their sleep is better, their digestion is better. They just feel more at home in their body. They feel more like themselves. So I think that a lot of patients begin their journey with acupuncture wanting a specific ailment dealt with. But I'd say most of my patients at this point, we've we've kind of fixed their initial problem and are now just working on their general health and keeping them happy and keeping them functioning and keeping them moving through life in a, in a smooth way, aging gracefully. Um, and those are my favorite my favorite patients because we get to practice the medicine as, as it should be practiced. And, um, and you really do develop a relationship with these people. You know, there's some patients that I've been seeing since the beginning of my practice and I consider them, you know, just as close as family. And I'm excited to hear updates about their life and excited to kind of see how they've been doing. And, and I, I really am grateful that they have allowed me to, be an integral part of their journey and kind of act as a a lifestyle coach or a guide. But yes, long story short, acute conditions, three to five treatments, chronic conditions, five to 10 plus, depending on the condition, you know, at at risk of going off on on a huge tangent, we'll just leave it at that kind of general consensus. But the important thing to remember is that regardless of what I'm treating or who I'm treating, we always reassess after every few visits and say, you know what, are we seeing the results we want? Are we seeing the changes that we need? Or is there something that we need to change? And um, I never want to waste people's time. And there are certain patients that I can't help. And, you know, if after three to five treatments, we're not really seeing much of a change at all, I'll refer you out. And if you're a practitioner who's listening to this, I don't think you should ever feel ashamed about admitting when you've hit the limits of what you can do. Western medicine can't treat everything. Chinese medicine can't treat everything. There's no system that is 100% effective all the time. We just do our best to try and and help people manage. And uh, again, given the benefits of acupuncture across the board, sometimes even though we can't treat a patient's chief complaint, they may enjoy the results in other areas of health so much that they decide to keep coming anyways just for a different problem. So um, yeah, don't worry if you can't do it all. You're not, uh, you're not a magician. You're not a genie. You're just a person who sticks needles in people. All right, we are approaching the 45-minute mark here, so I think I'll just cover one more topic before we finish up. So I have a lot of patients who are confused when they come to see me from previous acupuncturists in the past. Uh, And they're confused because I don't do the exact same thing that their acupuncturist previously did. You know, even if they hook me up with the, the point prescriptions that their acupuncturist was doing before, I sometimes choose to do something else. And 
you may find that acupuncture treatments vary widely across the board, practitioner-wise uh, and just in general. And that's because in Chinese medicine, there is this idea that you can use the same treatment to treat different diseases and different treatments to treat the same disease. So to put that in a, a more concrete way, if I saw 10 different patients for headache, I may treat all 10 patients differently because the headache is going to present differently. But it doesn't just end there. If, if me and another acupuncturist saw the same patient with the same headache, we also might treat them differently. And we might also both get results. That's because, like I said before, there is no one route to the destination. You can use a myriad of different points and still get an effect. There are so many different forms of acupuncture out there. There are so many different systems, you know, whether it's Chinese medicine, whether it's Japanese acupuncture, Korean acupuncture. I recently started learning a bit about Vietnamese acupuncture. Um, there's five element style acupuncture and they all have their strengths and, and their, their reasons for choosing points the way they do. Um, and again, they may all get results because there's, there's a fluidity and a flexibility in this medicine, which makes it an art as well as a science. There's, there's a level of creativity that a practitioner has when choosing points. Um, so there's a, a huge variability not just between patients, but between practitioners and between um, styles. Like, even if we look at Chinese medicine in a vacuum, historically, there was an era back, uh, I believe it was around the Han Dynasty, called the Hundred Schools of Thought. And this was a time where there were hundreds of different philosophical schools and medical schools and ways of thinking that were all kind of competing for, for dominance. And even within the history of Chinese medicine, there have been extremely varied opinions on the best way to treat and the best approach to take. Um, and again, they all had their merits and their value. So if your acupuncturist or you, is doing something different than a practitioner you've seen in the past, don't worry. Um, I mean, be honest with them if you think that the results that you're seeing are not as strong as, as a previous practitioner. But um, again, you just you have to trust that the practitioner you're seeing is an expert in their field. You have to trust that they've put in the work, they've put in the study, and that they know what they're doing and that they're going to choose the points and the, the prescription that is best suited to you. So um, your job is to just sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. But uh, don't alarm bells don't need to be going off in your head if, if a practitioner is doing something a little bit differently. They're, if anything, it's, it's good that they're not just sticking to kind of like a cookie cutter protocol and that they're thinking critically about what points they want to use and, and how they want to approach your specific case. But, uh, but yeah, it, there's a ton of variability in Chinese medicine and it's one of the reasons that I love this field so much, it's what keeps me constantly engaged and, and wanting to learn more because it's like, how can I take all the best bits that people have discovered across cultures and across history and, and integrate it in a way that is really going to change the lives of the people that uh, walk in the door? Um, 
Okay. I think this was our longest episode so far. Very information heavy, very action packed. But again, I mean, I've been lounging in this chair. I've been uh, sitting back with my mic. I've been, you know, sipping a little drink. This is, uh, this has been very relaxing for me. So I hope you, uh, were able to sit back and enjoy this with me. Um, yeah, I think we'll leave it there today. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to, to stop by and, and listen, you know, whether you're a patient of mine or a student of mine or a stranger who just stumbled across this on the internet. Um, I'm so excited to keep doing this. This is only episode four and I feel just like so... I'm just in love with this platform. I think it's it's so much fun. And uh, I think that this could be something big if we keep at it. One thing I will mention is as we approach September and the fall, uh, I do go back to McEwen, uh, my university, and uh, I, I do teach. Um, and I'm also taking a course in... Uh, the fall on classical Chinese medical translation. So I'll be spinning a few plates over the next few months. So regularity and consistency of, of posting of episodes might not be as uh, frequent, but I do promise that uh, this is a platform that I want to foster and, and continue to grow. So even if there is a little bit more of a gap between episodes, I, I will be back and, uh, I am I'm dedicated to to continuing this. So uh, thank you for listening. Have a great September long weekend if you are listening to this now. And uh, yeah, stay frosty, folks. <laughs>